If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. In this league, Podcast Network presents Prospect One, the Fantasy Prospect Podcast. Prospect One, with your host, Chris Welsh. What's up, guys and gals, of course? Welcome in. It's episode 95 of the Fantasy Baseball Prospect Podcast. Prospect one, the number one, right? Sure, we'll tell ourselves that. I'm your host, Chris Welsh, back with you for another daily episode, the final week of the daily episodes, though it's got one little extra extension into next week where I'm breaking down the upcoming Arizona Fall League, the last bastion of beautiful prospect coverage that we've got for 2018. It's all happening here in Arizona as we're being bared down with weather right now. Tropical Storm Roses coming into the desert. Yeah, it actually, I told you about it yesterday. It happened today. Nothing serious, though. Though Arizona doesn't know how to uh, drain water anywhere. So there, I can't imagine anywhere across the valley there were any uh, AZL games that were going on. So possibly there may be some make goods. Usually they're not going to go nuts with it, but uh, I'll be trying to pick out those. Maybe even next Monday. I'm going to try to head out to an AZL game right before we get started with the Arizona Fall League. Yesterday, we talked about the, I don't know, less than stellar Glendale Desert Dogs. One programming note, of course this happens, by the way. Isn't it always the case where you go in and you're just like, all right, let's just start with this team first. Let's talk about it. And then sure enough, we get news of a new player added to the Glendale Desert Dogs. And actually, I think it's a pretty good one. You know, I I mentioned earlier in the last episode, we kind of lost a few guys in the fall league that were really big names. This guy's not a huge name, but what he is was a huge performer in 2018, at least across one level, struggled back a little bit. And I think he really vaulted up prospect list to say, oh, this might be a guy that's going to be given a real opportunity. And who I'm talking about is the Orioles' Ryan McKenna. He's a 21-year-old outfielder in the Orioles system where in single A, he had an incredible year, a 467 OBP. He hit 377, eight homers, five stolen bases. He almost walked more than he struck out 37 times. Uh, he walked 45. He struck out. He had 97 hits in 257 at-bats, 97 hits in 67 games, a uh, ton of doubles, couple triples. It was a good go for Ryan McKenna. So obviously he got a promotion. Promotion was a wake-up call. He hit 239 in AA across 60 games, so he was split uh, over the season with a 341 OBP, three homers, four stolen bases, strikeouts popped up a little bit, walks coming down. He did okay. I mean, the average was not okay. It's serviceable, it's manageable. He's a five foot 185 outfielder who showed some real signs of pop, shows some signs of maybe being a uh, little bit of an above average hitter at the major league level. Probably more than likely nothing more than a fourth outfielder, but you know, we got to see these guys, the, the maturation level they take is a huge part of this process. We don't want to ignore what happened in single A, but I think double A also takes a little bit of it off top, takes the steam off a little bit of uh, any of the crazy hype. When you look at a player that, you know, hits 377, it's kind of like uh, Miguel Vargas. You get, we have talked a lot about Miguel Vargas over the last couple of months where 
He's a little bit of a different story because he's really young and that changes a lot. But, you know, he had a couple levels where he just dominated. And then his last level, you know, he found that struggle. So I think you can at least take off that hype where, you know, you're like, holy crap, this guy's hitting like 350 and this, that, and the other thing. We got to, we can't ignore him. We can't miss the opportunity. I think some of that was there with McKenna. But this is a fine prospect to be able to get. I'm very glad he's here. I was kind of surprised he wasn't before. Um, He essentially replaces Austin Hayes, who... I don't know if we talked about that. Austin Hayes is another one of these guys that was scheduled to come out here, but he had some injuries and he was just taken off the roster. So they're going to get an extended look at Ryan McKenna, and as will I. So now that outfield for Glendale, it's got a little bit more depth now because, you know, the starters, uh, Baysby, Robert, and Floriel, that's a plus. Now you get Ryan McKenna in there. Really good opportunity on a given day that you happen to be watching them that uh, you're going to get to see a couple of these really good guys. And I also think... This is a really key ad for you dynasty guys, especially bigger league dynasty players, because McKenna is one of those players as the Orioles are in their rebuild. We very likely could see McKenna sooner rather than later. And some of those early numbers are very, as I mentioned, they're very eye popping. What if, you know, he starts double A, which I assume he's going to start double A next year as uh, I think he'll turn 22 and he gets off to that hot start again and he's master double A. And then we kind of start to see maybe a story about who this guy is. Maybe he's a player that he's going to have to make adjustments. Once he catches a level, he dominates. That's someone we want to keep an eye on. You know, I mean, I say he's probably a fourth outfielder because I think that's the very safe thing to say. I think probably before coming into this year, someone might not have even said that he was a major league outfielder or at best a five. So this could be one of those guys that sneaks in, one of those major league bats that all of a sudden we're like, where did this guy come from and why is he hitting 300? You know, those type of things. This is going to be huge for him to be around such such immense talent, uh, the training that's going to go on, and I'm excited to see his bat, and I'm excited to report back to you because he's a very interesting name that I want to solidify on my list because he's a little bit of an anomaly to me. There's a few of those guys that, you know, they're just not big radar players, and they have these just hugely productive years, and I want to find a good spot for him, so I'm excited that he's on this list now, and we're going to get to see him come next week. But today, that's not what we're talking about, even though we just spent a couple minutes on it. We're not going to be talking about the Glendale Desert Dogs. We're going to be talking about the Mesa Solar Sox. That's the uh, AFL team that we're going to be breaking down. Some of their talented players, a couple pitchers. They've got some hitters. A little less star power, I'd say. Um, it's a little bit more depthy of a team, a little less star power than Glendale. Possibly two of the worser rosters, if you will, um, yesterday in today's episode as far as the AFL goes. But it should be very, very exciting. I'm looking forward to getting out there going to try to, if I can get interviews, I'm going to get video as well, try to uh, get some stuff, have maybe a couple people help me out and uh, possibly get some stuff that I can uh, do some giveaway giveaways for because I know a lot of uh, good autograph people out there, so maybe we can get some cool giveaways going. So I'm very excited for the uh, Arizona Fall League. And if you're excited and you want to follow along uh, to the 10th degree, if you will, patreon.com slash ITL Army. You guys know the drill. You can get in the Prospect One room. I'll share photos, videos that I don't put out anywhere else. Try to give you guys extended looks. Might even possibly tinker around with doing occasional little like mini, you know, 10-minute thing while I'm at a ballpark and uh, pop it up on Patreon. So just try to do some extra content. Plus, I just dropped my uh, newly top 500 list with, you know, a look into the uh, potential drafted rookies for next year. A little top five, I think I put up there. Maybe top 10, I don't remember. Uh, the first-year player draft info goes through the top six rounds by team, top 500, all that stuff. We're always looking to grow, and I want to give you guys content when you support us over there. So go check it out, patreon.com slash ITLarmy. Let's get out of this. Let's get to it. Arizona Fall League time. 
with the Mesa Solar Socks. Say, I like you. I like you so much, I'm going to make you my partner. All you have to do is find the gold, and I'll share it with you 50-50. Prospect 1. The Mesa Solar Socks. That name. I did like Desert Dogs, Javelinas. We get those things, the Scorpions, the Saguaros. Those are all very Arizona centric things. Outside of just like, yeah, we get it. Like there's a sun in Arizona. It's hot here. The solar solar panels, the socks. I mean, the Red Sox are a part of this organization. Uh, it's funny that they're catering to them, even though it, technically this ballpark, the Mesa Solar Sox, is only home to the Chicago Cubs. So that's the only, they built that entire ballpark, which is really a beautiful ballpark, by the way. Um, I think maybe the most brand new. Uh, I enjoy the place a lot. The backfields are all right. They'll do a lot of the like um, the perfect game tournaments and stuff like that. I saw Bobby Witt at uh, one of the tournaments here in Mesa. So it's a very cool ballpark. The Mesa Solar Sox are represented by these five teams. Obviously, the Chicago Cubs, that's their home. And then you've got four AL teams, Boston Red Sox, Detroit Tigers, Los Angeles Angels, and the Oakland A's. So those are your five teams that are represented by the Mesa Solar Sox. find it interesting there's so many uh, AL teams that are set with it. And this is the second kind of farthest stadium, I'd say for most people. Some might say Peoria is the farthest one in Arizona. But you've got Mesa, and then there's another Mesa Stadium, which is where the A's play, where the Cubs used to play, Hohokam. And that's kind of a little bit down the street. But um, it, it's it's got a really unique, I think I've taken a picture of it before, from the stadium to the backfields, they it I think they call it like autograph row or something like that. It's this huge like it's like it's, it feels like a dirt mile with these bushes and these barriers and the players walk by and you're just standing next to them. But it's it's almost like a red carpet type of thing that goes from the stadium all the way into the backfields and to their kind of workout facility. And you can kind of get back there. That's most recently where I was when I saw the uh, Indians. They were going against the Cubs and it was uh you know when I talked with George Valera and I saw Ethan Hankins pitch. It was back there. In the stadium as well, it's really nice. And the prospects are okay. The prospects are decent. They're not great on this team. I mean, the Mesa Solar Sox have seen Eloy Jimenez, as I've talked about before. I'm trying to remember who was there last year. I mean, I think it was, uh, I think Boston was, uh, no, you know what? Boston was with Peoria last year because I remember it was Chavis and it was Acuna. So Boston got moved over here. I really can't even remember who Mesa had. I don't think it was... Um, uh, maybe it was the Indians. Maybe they were over there. That sounds about right. I think you might have Bobby Bradley, Francisco Francisco Mejia, guys like that. Regardless of the point, on the pitching end, actually a few better names. Just to not just a nodule, just a little touch over uh, the Glendale Desert Dogs here. One of which is Sandy Baez with the Detroit Tigers. He is a twenty. He's going to turn twenty five in late November. Starting pitcher, and he'll be one of their starters. On the year in the minors, it wasn't like a killer year. A 5-6 ERA, not great. He started 15, while I think there were some relief appearances. He struck out 86 over 103. Some strikeouts were out there. We'd like that to go down. He hit to a pretty high average, which is part of the problem. 19 homers in 103 innings pitch. But he also got to the majors and pitched in relief, where, again, it wasn't great. 5 ERA, 10 strikeouts to 9 walks. Now, I said he's a starter. This will be interesting because the Tigers brought him up in relief. It might have just been more about controllable innings. You know, he was at 100. He did hit 113 in 2016, hit 98 in 2017. So he put on about 117 innings here, probably gets upwards of 20, let's say, maybe more. I could be undershooting it, maybe 28, 30 or something like that in the fall league. Let's call it like four or five starts. 
and they usually go four or five, maybe six innings if they're lucky. You know, they're obviously grooming him. Actually, maybe I just answered my question. I think I totally answered my question or my statement is that they're going to add those innings on. So this is a guy that they're looking to get out in the rotation and probably give a shot at because if he gets upwards of the 130-plus innings, they can move him out next season to maybe 150, 160, somewhere in that range. So this is a guy that could be in the Tigers' rotation next year that we're going to want to monitor. The walks have been a little too heavy. We're missing a little bit on the strikeouts, and he's giving up way too much contact. Baez sports a big old fastball. He's got a changeup. That fastball is about in the mid-90s. He's got a, a decent changeup that's floating out there. Pretty good changeup. Maybe I'm, I'm underselling it. And an occasional slider. So I expect to see a full mix. I wonder if he's going to be slider heavy out here in the Fall League. I wonder if it, maybe it'll be a lot of fastballs working on command, or maybe he's going to be really slider heavy early on. So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets hit up a little bit. But that's what I'm going to be monitoring. I'm going to be monitoring if it's if it's stuck to a pitch, you know, a specific type of pitch they want to work him out. You know, if he's going to be a starter, he's going to have to develop more than the fastball changeup. And that might be what we end up seeing with him. Now, when we talk about upside pitchers, there are a couple guys to take a look at here, one of which is with the Boston Red Sox, Darwinzen Hernandez. Maybe I said that right. Maybe I didn't. Uh, the six foot two, 245 pound pitcher who was predominantly a starter. He had a couple relief appearances, but again, I think that was that was just simply probably about innings. Uh, you know, knowing that they're going to send him to the fall league. He had 103 innings and 17 this year. He hit 101 when he was uh, in Carolina, and then he moved up one level. Six innings, just in relief. Six strikeouts, no walks there. So he finished 2018 with a 3-5 ERA, 134 strikeouts to 107 innings. He, <laughs> This is an amazing stat. I actually didn't realize this. 107 innings. I mean, I just kind of set it up. But guess how many homers he gave up this year? One. He gave up one homer this year, though he was striking out guys or walking them, I suppose. If you walk 66 guys and strike out 124, you're just doing one of those things almost at all times. But that is impressive to see. Hernandez has got kind of a low to mid uh, 90s fastball where he puts some movement on it, which I'm I'm excited about to see. He pitches to a lot of ground balls, which again, this is another big positive. Curveball, changeup, slider, Obviously, the command is not there, uh, but he's 21 years old, so this is going to be a good spot for him when he gets out into the fall league. Maybe they're going to pair back a pitch or two. I mean, I'm just throwing out guesses here if they want to work on command. I've seen a few pitchers in the past, like um, who was it? Like Connor Green when he was with the Blue Jays before he got traded to the Cardinals. They were trying to take pitches away from him, essentially, just to try to get him to work on command. He threw a ton of fastballs, and he teetered from like, hitting 99 with no command, and then dialing it back and pitching around 96 where he could actually command it. So we might see some stuff like that. Maybe Hernandez, you know, it's going to be heavy ground ball fastballs, maybe really refine that changeup because he's already, he's got a plus slider. You know, so if it's refining the changeup and working on commanding the fastball, he could be a high riser. And I actually think, yeah, definitely one of the highest upside players um, young starting pitchers, maybe across even the league. Maybe I'm underselling it a little bit. It's no doubt it's this team for sure. But uh, Darwinson Hernandez, that's a name to keep an eye on. Now, the Detroit Tigers have got one other guy in Gregory Soto, 23-year-old starting pitcher, 4-4 ERA over the season, struck out 115 over 113, walked 70, also low homers, kind of just like uh, Hernandez, only four homers on the entire season. That's a very positive number to see. And I would say between Soto and Hernandez, like I think a lot of people are just not going to know who these guys are when they're out there, but they're actually really good, like deep league uh, guys to keep your eye on. Hernandez or Soto is one of those guys with that big, big fastball, curveball changeup, 
with lacking command is kind of what we're going. It's secondary stuff. Soto is, uh, I think, a relief risk, even though you know they really built his innings up. And probably similar to what I talked to you about with Baez, these are just going to be a couple guys they're going to take their shots at. They're going to see what they have in these pitchers as starters before they do anything else. The other pitcher of note I just want to mention is a guy that I think he got plenty of attention um, just a couple years ago, but he he, ha- he had a, a surgery, and he was out for a while, and he just came back at the back end of this season. And I think he, yeah, he only had two games he pitched in, and it's Grant Holmes. If you remember Grant Holmes with the Oakland A's, Holmes is going to be pitching for the Solar Sox. I'm not sure. You know, he did start his games. He had two games, about three innings, it looks like. I think both games he went three innings. I suppose they may stretch him out. I saw uh, when Caprillion was with the Yankees and he was out here coming off of injury. This is a couple years ago. They let these guys go like two innings, two to three innings max. That's what I expect for Grant Holmes if they're going to stretch him back out. But Holmes was a very interesting prospect when he was healthy. He's he, he's very memorable because he's got kind of that like big flowing hair. That's what a lot of people would remember would remember from uh, Grant Holmes. But he's a big fastball curveball uh, back and forth. He's got to change up. There's a lot of uh, sink that's going to come on that fastball as well. If he keeps refining that command and really just coming back from injury, he's still only 22 years old. He's going to be 23 last year. This is one of those forgotten guys. I would even rightfully admit I'm one of those people that have just kind of decimated his rank because he's fallen off the board and so many players have come up. But Grant Holmes might be one of the A's are very sneaky with prospects. I liked him. I'm excited to see him. So monitor Grant Holmes. That's one of the players we're going to want to watch. Other than that, as far as the rotation goes, Justin Steele is a guy you probably heard of uh, with the Cubs. He's a 23-year-older. He might be a starter out here, which is really interesting. I mean, I just laid out your rotation could be Baez, Hernandez, Holmes, Steel and Soto. And that might be your five-man rotation. As far as bullpen goes, uh, Jake Bray from the A's is out here. They've also got in rotation Angel Duno and Sam Sheehan. The Detroit Tigers, besides the guys I talked to you about, they have Eduardo Jimenez and John Schreiber. The Angels, they've got Jesus Castillo. That actually might be a name familiar with some people. Brent Hanowich, Daniel Procopio. Oh, I wonder if I got that one right. And then uh, I don't think I mentioned the Cubs besides uh, Justin Steele. They've got Bailey Clark that's out here, Eric Leal, and I think that's all the guys that I get everybody. Maybe Boston uh, besides um, uh, Hernandez. They've also got Teddy Stankowitz. Great name. A-plus name. Now, moving over to the catchers, it's not it's not a big group of guys here. P.J. Higgins from the Cubs, Johnny Pereda from the Cubs as well. But Jake Rogers is an interesting one because Rogers is actually scheduled to be out here last year. And he just got scrapped. If you remember, he was also traded. He was traded uh, from the Astros to the Tigers. This year, Rodgers in 352 at-bats hit only 219, but 17 homers with a 305 OBP. Struck out 117 time, or 112 times, even stole a couple bases. There was some hopes for Jake Rodgers early on. This is probably going to be to revive that. I expect Rodgers to be the uh, predominant catcher on this team. It'll probably then go to Higgins. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Pareda is just like a taxi squad. By the way, I'm not sure that's something I've mentioned before. Uh, There are players out here, sometimes you'll see like big names, and they're actually taxi squad players. Uh, Funny enough, last year, I believe DJ Peters was a taxi squad player, and it might have also been Jordan Alvarez. And what that means is these guys, they only can play, I believe, in eight games total, and they can't play... I think they're going to play like two times a week at most, and they can't play more than eight games, and then they're kind of taken off the roster. And sometimes the teams will, you'll, you'll see players come and go. 
You know, we and that's a worry I personally have about some of the bigger name guys, even maybe like a guy like uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. But maybe with how Ronald Acuna went last year, it won't happen. But it happened with like Yohan Moncada. Sometimes players like that, that they'll just kind of take off the roster. Sometimes they want to get some innings for another player. So you can see movement that's going on. Uh, but besides all that point, uh, Jake Rogers is most likely the catcher to watch. He's not really on any high monitor list for me. But, you know, I mean, a good season and opportunity sometimes trumps talent. And that sounds like a weird thing. But like if you're in deep, deep dynasties and you're just, you know, picking at straws here, you could have a ton more talented catchers that are sitting out there. But if Jake Rogers is given an opportunity, especially with the power he showed, if we can have a change in contact, that might be a guy that you monitor is more of a pickup, not someone you're drafting or trading for. Now, the money is made on this team on the infield. As far as like star talent goes, let's start with the Boston Red Sox because they've got a couple very well-known players. And it starts off with my guy, Michael Chavis. Now, Chavis was out here last year, another of just the many players that was uh, that spent some time out here. And he spent like a full Arizona Fall League. It wasn't like he missed time. The obvious thing that you know about Michael Chavis is that he was popped for uh, some form of a PED. He publicly came out. He denied it. Uh, I went out, and I was, I think, the first person he commented back because I said I appreciated the candor. The thing that I was impressed with was with the personal nature of what he mentioned, the struggles that, you know, that had haunted him and, and, uh, you know, with addiction inside his family. And I thought it was, uh, you know, I, I can't be the judge at the end of the day, but I thought, hey, good for this guy for owning up to it, not going silent, you know, not confronting the stuff. There are there's another player that got popped in the Arizona Fall League. I didn't hear a word from, but he's had a lot of troubles. This was from last year. Regardless of the point, though, you know, he was popped. He missed a lot of time, and he's going to be back out here. I'm kind of excited to see him. Probably not bring this up uh, or any of that, but you know, he was. Um, I was really impressed with the knowledge he had of himself of baseball. You'd be surprised at how many guys sometimes you come across, and like like I've seen it with Eno. There's just guys that aren't like thinking about launch angle. I mean, that's probably much. It's changed a lot over the last two years. But, you know, like sometimes there's these guys aren't totally in tune with the type of person they are. Sometimes it's just like I listen to my coaches. I make the adjustments and I go. Michael Chavis, just to me, he, he was very technical when we were talking about it. Like he understood his strengths. He understood his weaknesses, trying to get that lower center of body. Um, you know, he knew that he had just such intense power when he tr- would drive the the bat through the plane and he would just kill the ball, you know, laughable. Me and Eno laughing about the contact, the sound that was coming off of his bat. So I'm still a Chavis guy. I'm excited that he's out here and he'll be with a couple other big Boston Red Sox um, prospects. One big quote with the Red Sox. But yeah, uh, upon return of his suspension, he was able to muster up a 298 average, nine homers, 52 strikeouts to 19 walks, and a 381 OBP. Pretty solid because he started off, uh, he struggled a bit starting off, and then he really got hot towards the end. Last year, he played third and first. I think it could be some of the same, um, but. The Boston Red Sox brought out a couple other players, so let's talk about both of them, that are going to make some of this difficult. So how is it going to go? Because they're bringing out Bobby Dahlbeck. You guys know my love of Bobby Dahlbeck. It was me and James's Colton Welker versus Dahlbeck debate. He is currently winning that one, but I feel like I made some good strides this year with Dahlbeck. The six foot four, 225-pound third baseman who actually went to Arizona, so he'll probably feel quite at home when he comes back here. He hit 257 across two levels this year. With 32 homers, 109 RBIs, 30, uh, 73 runs, 117 hits he had on the season, 66 walks, but now I'm going to tell you the bad news, 176 strikeouts in 455 at-bats. 
You do the math. It's plenty. Uh, a 361 OBP while hitting 257. He's not quite. I think there might have, might have been some like Joey Gallo stuff that's out there. OBP league, Bobby Dahlback, yo. Like Bobby Dahlback, if you're looking at ranks and you just take away the average and you start going OBP, we can push him up. I'm a very big fan of Bobby Dahlback, regardless of all the wildly uh, crazy Chris Bryant comps that he had very early on. There's still a hole in his swing, but he has just such immense power. And this is what we want from these guys. We want these guys to take the time. We want them to learn in the minor leagues. We want them to, like, kill the ball. We want them to dominate, but it's not always what we're going to get. We're looking for the skill sets that get us excited. Power, bing. Strikeouts, not so much. Am I going to see less of that this time? Seen a lot of big strikeout, huge power guys in the fall league since I've been uh, monitoring it the last couple of years. You know, Greg Bird was one of those guys. Ryan O'Hearn, uh, Ryan McMahon. You know, those were McMahon and Bird were two of the bigger names I've seen out here that just had these windmill looping strikeouts when they missed the ball. And that's something I'm looking to not see from Bobby Dahlback, but we'll have to see about it. He's obviously going to be their third baseman. The other Boston Red Sox prospect that's out here is Josh Ockamy, who I thought might be out here last year. He is a first baseman, six foot one, two fifteen, uh, two forty five average this year with twenty homers, seventy walks to one hundred and forty nine strikeouts, a three fifty six OBP. So, what is the math on that? Is that like I think there's over uh, fifty home, no, over sixty homers are coming in from the Boston Red Sox to the Arizona Fall League because what was it nine by Chavis? 32 by Dahlback, and 20 by uh, Josh Ockamy. So over 60 homers from the Boston Red Sox minor league system he is going to be joining us here. There's a lot of power, but I just told you there's first, there's third, and then you've got Chavis who plays both. I'm wondering, and this might be a sign to watch for with Josh Ockamy, and these are the things you always want to see, and as well as Bobby Dahlback, is will the Red Sox maybe give like a little bit of a mandate to say, hey, we want to. We want Bobby Dahlbeck to be used in the outfield, or we want Alchemy to be used in the outfield because maybe the team is, you know, looking at trade opportunities, versatility. Can we get the bats in the lineup? There's a lot of power that to be had here. I don't think Chavis can play out of position, so that's not someone I'm. I I expect on a mostly. I would expect him to be playing most days as well because he missed so much time that he's going to be playing first or third, and then Dahlbeck or Akami are either riding the pine or they're moving across uh, positions. That would be something that I would expect. So those guys, some huge names that I'm excited about seeing, at least huge in the like in our little prospect world. A couple of other big names as far as prospects go. Oh, by the way, I, I forgot to mention this one. This is a really interesting one. The Red Sox uh, are bringing out Esteban Juarez, the second baseman who they signed out of Mexico. Quarez, Quire, however I'm saying it, however it's supposed to go. He's a five foot seven, 175 uh, pound second baseman. Like I said, they signed out of Mexico last year. A uh, lot of high hopes that he actually. There was some talk that like he might be a guy that would come up this past season because of Dustin Pedroia. Hit uh, 283, seven homers, only 22 strikeouts, but only 106 at bats um, over the entire minor league season with a 400 OBP. Just one of those wiry second basemen who's going to make some contact. I'm excited to see him. Uh, a couple other uh, prospects, like I mentioned, Jemai Jones from the Los Angeles Angels. He's going to be out here. He recently moved from outfield to second base this season. Big struggle. I've kind of soured on him a bit. Power dropped down a little bit. The stolen bases maybe dropped down just a tad bit. I mean, I guess he was kind of pacing out to be around the same, but the average took a big sink, you know, and like I would have liked to have seen a bigger out power output if – 
the um, average was going to sink. That didn't happen. I saw some struggles from him also in spring training, which is something maybe to monitor. I'm just not quite as high on him, but I think the Angels still are. But because I have reference to him less than a year ago, it'll be very important because, you know, I I, I specifically have notes on what I put on Jemai Jones that I'm going to be looking for here, and we might see a world of difference. And frankly, he's probably going to be a guy that's going to get an opportunity to play most days. And your infield is now settled together because the Chicago Cubs have maybe one of the more interesting young prospects that people don't know a ton about because he was just drafted. It's Nico Horner, and he's going to play shortstop, six foot one, two hundred pounds. He was out of Stanford, a good contact guy. I was actually really excited about him, and I'm relatively high on him. He hit three twenty seven in only 49 at-bats this year in the minors with a 450 OBP, couple homers, six stolen bases. He walked nine times and only struck out four times. Very short run. I think he was also had some injuries, and that's one of the reasons he'll be out here. I think Horner's got a ton of tools. And I'm trying to remember. I'll see if I can pull this up real quick on my top 500 list. I want to say, just off the top of my head, he's my Cubs. Third, he's the third prospect on the Chicago Cubs on my ranks which I think is accurate, but it may be, yeah, he's number three. So he's number three on this list. And frankly, if you don't want to mess with pitchers, he's a number one position player from the Chicago Cubs that I have. And that settles the lineup on a potential week uh, daily basis of, let's call it Chavis, Dahlback, Horner, and Jemai Jones. That's fantastic. That's a fantastic middle infield with potential of a guy like Occamy and, and uh, Esteban to come in now, a couple other players uh, not necessarily well-known. Eli White from the A's, Daniel Panero from the Detroit Tigers, big old six foot five, 235-pound first baseman is going to be out here. Uh, David uh, McKinnon from the Angels, six foot two, 200, and I believe he's going to be playing uh, first base as well. Maybe he moves around a little bit. Cubs' Trent Giambrone and Angels' Roberto Badalquin. Ooh, the names are we'll get that straight. Names are kind of brutal. So a good starting lineup. There's some depth there. That's the strength of this team. The outfield, it's a little bit less, though. There are definitely some names. It's highlighted from the Tigers with Daz Cameron. That's the big one to see. The six foot two, 195 pound outfielder who saw a um, a really good return over the last two years. The numbers dropped a little bit, but from what he did in 16. The jump he's made as a player has made him very fantasy relevant. 17, 14 homers with 32 stolen bases and a 271 average. This year, the average stuck about the same, 264 with a few more uh, at-bats, but the power on the stolen bases came down a little bit. The uh, He only hit eight homers, and he had 24 stolen bases. Strikeouts relatively closely paced, so he kind of mirrored what he did. This year, and that was probably an important thing for them to see. Now you're going to get to see him go up against some like really good talent and get to play with some really good players. This is a guy. When I look at these players, I mean, Chavis, Dahlback, Horner, and Cameron all have top 100 potential. I'm not sure. I mean, Chavis is the closest to being in the top 100, but those are your biggest prospects that are here. I'm going to be looking at what the strikeouts look like. I'm going to be looking at what contact he's making, and I really want to see the speed in play. You know, is this a guy that's going to grow into his body a little bit, start stealing less? Is there 20-plus potential power out of him? These are all things we're going to be looking for. So you're going to probably see me really honed in on Dahlback and Cameron, to be honest with you, from these games. These will be guys I'm going to be locked into their BP sessions. I'm going to be trying to get video of the BP sessions 
And he's surrounded by the other names that you might be familiar with. Uh, Sky Bolt, A plus name, best name out here from the Oakland A's. Six foot three, one hundred ninety pound outfielder. He's twenty four years old. He hit two sixty with nineteen homers and nineteen stolen bases this year. Very under the radar outfielder for the Oakland A's. And then DJ Wilson with the Cubs is a player that I think some some people may might be familiar with, but he only hit two nineteen this season in two hundred and thirty at bats, one homer, ten stolen bases. Pretty big drop-off for his year, so we're going to be looking for some improvement from DJ Wilson. And then finishing out the roster, they have Luis Barrera from the A's and Daniel Woodrow from the Tigers. So, I mean, almost his entire outfield is coming from the A's and Tigers with one cub in there. And then you've got a lot on the infield of the Boston Red Sox and... um, It's kind of Boston Red Sox, Chicago Cubs, and Angels on the infield. So that's kind of how the whole thing looks. So it's spread around. My initial response of talking about talent across them is this might be the bottom as far as talent goes, especially if you take a look at like the Glendale roster actually has less depth than this team, but the overall prospects are better. You know, the top three, I think we're three in the top 50. There's not that here, but there's a lot of depth. There's a lot of uh, deeper league players that we're going to be looking at from here. And we want to see is Chavis, is Dahlbeck, is Daz Cameron the real deal? Is Jemai Jones a true power speed combination player who's now playing in the middle infield, which seemed to make his prospects even more exciting? Is he going to make a resurgence this year? There's a lot of implications for later in your drafts, not so much near the top. And that, my friends, is the Mesa Solar Sox. The next episode, this was just hands down the best team last year. Not even a question because it was a Peoria Javelinas. Because they had, as I told you, the Boston Red Sox, they had the Seattle Mariners, and they had the Atlanta Braves, and you know it clearly came from the Braves. We're going to talk about them tomorrow because um, though they don't have Ronald Acuna, they do have some talent. It's an interesting outfield, a much better infield, and they've got some pitchers. Now, the pitchers are probably a little bit closer to the quality of a lot of the guys we've been talking about. We still haven't hit that one team that's got the super superstars but uh, that's what we'll do tomorrow with the Peoria Javelinas. And if you're asking yourself, Javelina is like a big wild pig. I'll talk to you about that tomorrow. I've had many interactions with Javelinas out here. They're scary as hell. These Peoria, the Peoria Javelinas, a lot less scary than the real Javelinas. But I'd take Ronald Acuna in a uh, in a fight against a real Javelina. That's for sure. That's the episode, my friends. I'm looking forward to talking to you tomorrow. We'll finish out the week, and then we're going to start the Arizona Fall League up. You can hit me on Twitter if you have questions, and make sure if you are with the Army, join me on Friday for my prospect. Or It's a total AMA, but I'll be glad and would love to talk about prospects, especially with the Arizona Fall League coming up. So come one, come all. Have some fun with me over at patreon.com slash Army For the Fantasy Baseball Prospect Podcast, this is Prospect One, and I'm out of here. It's true that some things change as we get older, but if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause, and MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 
91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.